Hello and welcome back to High Story, soon to be my second self and I. We talk about weird crimes. I'm Matt, and of course, so is he. Hell yes, and I'm in a good mood this week. We're punchy. Thank you to everyone who tuned in last week. If you haven't had a chance, go back and listen to that one. It's a pretty wild story involving a wood chipper. If you have had a chance, though, maybe you've also had a chance to rate and review the show on whatever you're listening on. If not, it's free, and if you want to help me out... Us. Right. We'd appreciate that. Just a reminder to everyone, the show is currently still called High Story, but that will soon be changing to My Second Self and I. We talk about weird crimes. You out there in the void, you should not have to do anything. Once I make the necessary changes, it should update the feed on all the places that the show is currently available. The only thing you really need to be aware of is that the artwork will be different, and I'll try to keep the Facebook page updated. And I know I'm terrible with the other socials, but I'll try to get around to filling those out a little bit better eventually. I'm trying to reorganize a lot of moving parts over here, and I'll also try to be more active in posting stuff too. Alright, so now that we've got all the boring intro stuff out of the way, let's jump into it. If you're a current listener, you know, generally I like to cover the weirdest, most ridiculous stuff I can find, and much of the time that leads to uh, less than happy endings. Yeah, I'd say. So today we're going to have something just a little bit different. I tried to see if I could work the story up into something suspenseful with, you know, a little bit of build-up and some tension and some drama, but that would have put the most intriguing part of this all the way at the end of what is probably going to be about 45 minutes to an hour. So it seems like that'd kind of be like a bury-the-lead-waste-of-time sort of thing, so we're just going to tell it how it is and have a really fun time today. How about that? Nobody dies, nobody really gets hurt, and it's a pretty happy ending, actually. Kind of different for what I normally do here, although the journey is a little bit confusing at times. You'll see why later. There's just a lot of questions that come up that really could have a couple different answers, and a lot of them are kind of plausible, at least. Hey, are you ready over there? Boom, bam, let's do it. Skibbity-boo, let's go. Grab your time machines, but just a little one today, because we're not going back that far. We're going to Philly in 1997. Eventually. We're going to swing back around to that in just a little bit, but I want to know what this place is like first, since I've never been anywhere even close to Philly. Let's find out what some of the houses are like over here. Let's see what's for sale. For sale today in Frankfurt, we have... Oh, here we go. For sale today in Frankfurt, Philadelphia, you can get a 2,546 square foot lot that looks like a homeless camp. There's bike tires and a laundry basket and just trash and shit and overgrowth everywhere. A half-covered car that has no trunk and it includes a shed for some reason with vinyl siding. Oh, and a pool with stagnant gross green water. Awesome. $44,000 if you want that. And then we have this gym, a foreshore condemned cracked in with a plywood door and plywood in the windows. I cannot tell if there is glass in the windows or not. It is $85,000. And the overview in the detail listing says this. Property to be sold as is. Seller will not certify anything. No warranties or guarantees are expressed or implied. 
property was formerly used as a duplex, however it is only zoned for single family dwelling. Should have a lockbox on there this week coming. If you can get into the property without the lockbox, feel free, be careful. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, okay, if you want to buy a crack den, there, I guess there you go. What the hell? See if I can find a really nice place. I'm gonna find like a nice house for sale here. Alright, this place is kinda cool. For 160,000, a three bedroom, one bath, 1,088 square feet. I think it's a standalone house? I can't tell. All the pictures are from the inside only, and it's pretty big on their inside. Very nice, well updated, like up to date features, nice black cabinets and appliances, off gray walls. And weird exposed brick, like holes in the wall, like on purpose designed holes in the wall to show the brick behind the wall. It's kind of neat looking, but the fridge looks super old, which kind of doesn't match the rest of the kitchen, which makes me laugh. And there's a window unit, so they're trying to make it look more up to date. Oh, it looks like there's something off in one of the bedrooms off to the side there, but... Doesn't look too terrible of a place if you're in the market for something like that, I suppose. I'm trying to find the nice house here. Is this it? Maybe. Like a brownstone with a weird basement tub. Weird. Oh, there's a standalone house, I think. Oh, this is the place. Alright. This place is absolutely haunted, first of all. It looks like... It's going to be haunted, and it for sure is. It's got a wraparound porch, a big overarching awning, pretty big... I can't tell if it's a driveway or a parking lot next to it, but there's a garage door attached to it, so maybe both. Inside's got a really long, old-school radiator that looks like it'd be hot if you touched it in the wintertime. Carpeted stairs, hardwood floors, the backsplash doesn't really match the rest of the kitchen but it's orange and black looking so it's kind of like all around halloweenish which i'm into the narrowest hallway i have ever seen outside of the first resident evil it's kind of like that narrow hallway at the top of those stairs right there where there's a hunter later on in the game and then uh oh, that's an attic tub i think attic tub full gas range stove back in the kitchen all right doesn't look bad. $269,000, four bedrooms, zero bathrooms. That's, that can't be right. There's nowhere to shit in this place. Wait, is there a toilet in any of these pictures? Hold on. All right, this place may not have a bathroom. Uh, it might, you might be going in the attic tub up here. Maybe that's why it hasn't sold. <laughs> There's nowhere to shit. Absolute move-in, condition duplex. Very convenient location. Four bedrooms, brand new modern kitchen, modern full bath. Property also has two-car garage and huge driveway. Oh, it's both. Neat. All right, well, if you want to buy a haunted toiletless ghost mansion in Philadelphia, there you go. Oh, let's see about some reviews of this place. These are always fun. Let's look at a one-star. If you love heroin and the colorful characters and drifters that go along with it, this is your place. I would never drive through here with my children in the car. Too many things to explain. <laughs> okay. Car with two R's. Accidents on a weekly basis. Sometimes daily. 
Constant ambulance traffic, constant shootouts, and murders of children and adults. Oh my god. Raccoons destroying gardens and breaking and entering homes. If the city doesn't help fix this area soon, it will become a drug-infested and prostitution-infested area. Maybe that's why there's a cracked-in for sale. Maybe that's the house that the raccoon broke into. What, raccoons are breaking into houses here? Holy shit. Let's, uh, let's see what uh, an average three-star review. Let's see here. There is a very defined and obvious line of homeowners and renters in this neighborhood. You can tell my mother's house is the last building of homeowned properties on my block by the clean-swept, neat front yards and sidewalks right across from trash and cigarette-littered, overgrown patches of grass. Jeez. The evening air is hard to enjoy with the scent of marijuana drifting down the block. <laughs> the convenience of a national chain pharmacy and major transportation hub is dampered... Dampered? By the wind-tossed litter swirling around the corner, hustler... By the corner hustlers on my short five-minute walk to city center-bound train and cross-town buses. What? My immediate neighbors adjacent to the house are friendly and considerate, so we gladly take turns shoveling each other's sidewalks. We do worry about the rare stray bullets in those hot summer nights where people's tempers tend to flare up. Oh my god, I don't think I want to live here. Overall, our home is situated in a very convenient yet dodgy after 10 p.m. kind of neighborhood. About to celebrate a decade in Frankfurt. You've lived here for 10 years amidst random stray gunfire at night and nocturnal wildlife with a penchant for breaking and entering? Alright, what's a five-star review? Who loves it here? There's a mom-and-pop store called Quickie Mart right around the corner, and the service is always amazing as well as the quality of everything they sell. Everything you ask for is there, and if not, they make sure to order it. The people who live there are happy and friendly. Love it. And when you leave, they say, thank you, come again. What the hell? Alright, I guess a few people like it. Very different reviews from people here. What else we got? Oh, some apartments. This'll be fun. Alright, this is a long one-star review from someone I'm guessing doesn't have a super tight grasp on English. I lived this place almost five years, not feel like living in America. My apartment been open multiple times and stolen things without breaking door thanks to super... Breaking is spelled B-R-A-K-I-N-G, by the way. Also right under my apartment was a drug dealer with teenagers, girls, and nighttime you can hear sex screaming, sound supper loud, can't even sleep look like gangbang, all smoke over to over apartment. This place is nasty and disgusting, sex sound daytime, night 24, her. My two-year son therapist used to visit my son at home. She also complained this entire building smelled drug. She unable to find elevator and use stapes, and she saw people having sex. I also saw multiple times in night and daytime girls running around hallways naked. <sighs> Holy shit, this place sounds like it's awful. I don't fucking damn. <laughs> That's also, there was no period until I got to the word naked. That was all one run-on sentence. Management lady, Susan. <laughs> Damn it, Susan. Super rude and unprofessional. Yeah, I figured that. I don't normally write here. I have to write since I have write. This place is not for families. This place is Boothal. What? B-U-T-H-A-L. Drug and sex. Scare to go out nighttime laundry. Room small. Homeless people all over in hallway stars. After 14 hours work, feel like coming home Going back home in dungeon, I have lot to say they also stole my deposit. Fuck, man, just move! 
Five years you've been putting up with that? Fuck. No, I'm not putting up with Susan's rude ass for five years. Here's a one and a half star. It's, it's a little better for this person, and then we'll get on to the story, because I know this is... You know what? No, this is fun, and it helps me get to know where I am. It helps set up where we're going, so this is this is important. I have lived in these apartments for four years. The only reason I stayed was because rent was so cheap. As far as the buildings, they are horrible. I was originally in B building, and they had my deposit for six weeks and kept changing my move date. When I finally got my lease, the prev tenant was literally just evicted that AM. Holy shit. Turning and burning like tables at a busy restaurant. Just in and out. The apartment was never cleaned, painted, or carpet changed. They had huge holes in them. Ew. After three years of constant complaints, <laughs> they, she misspelled they, it's T-E-H-Y, Tehi, finally moved me to the other side into a different building. Even worse! Squatters are living in vacant apartments, homeless people sleep in the halls, and I had a huge leak in my ceiling that was causing a lot of black mold. I complained for about ten months about the leak, and all they did was respackle, and once again it rained, and the complex... Oh, and once it rained again, the compound would just fall apart. I notified them literally every month about the leak and the mail office. Susan, again, extremely rude. Fuck Susan. She never, she said she never knew I had sent in all emails. You lying bitch, Susan. I finally contacted the whatever business things and placed complaints and they, they didn't know either. They told the BBB, oh, Better Business Bureau, I'm an idiot again. They offered me a different apartment and then refused to give me a lease over 30 days long? What? Refused to give a lease over 30 days long. You got a month to figure it out? With a leaky, moldy unit? The next day I got a non-renewal letter and a lease termination even though my rent was never... Oh, well, this place sucks. I should have done this part before the real estate listing. I don't want to go here now. Not in this apartment anyway. The next review says, it's all in cap, so I saw it immediately. Slumlords. Is there, that's a fucking essay, I'm not reading that. Another one and a half. There's only 25 reviews. This guy's in all caps, oh man. There are about 30, 40 cats that live in our driveway, holy shit. <laughs> a lady throws all types of food outside feeding them. Lady, come on. This guy does not like cats. He would not like this show. Drug dealers everywhere. Yeah, he definitely wouldn't like this show. People blast music and live trash. People blast music and live trash everywhere. Live trash everywhere? Well, I don't know what he's trying to say there. I only moved here because of the cheap price, but I seriously can't take it. Management is very rude and unprofessional. Do not move here. There are other places to go. I'm I'm warning everyone to stay away from this hellhole. If I could give, I would zero stars. Okay, we'll get on with the story now. I just wanted to have a little fun and get to know where we're going and see what the city has to offer and maybe what some of its residents are like. December 5th, 1997. Here we are. Lucea Cuevas is in labor at Temple University Hospital and gives birth to a beautiful, healthy little girl, Delimar. Her father, Pedro Vera, who provides a last name for Delimar, is not listed on the birth certificate. It could be a paternity issue like is she really but i don't really think so it seems more likely that it was probably due to a language barrier at the hospital and maybe pedro wasn't totally sure what the nurses were asking him to sign 
But then again, Luis is 25 and Pedro's 33 and have two other kids who were four and five at this point. And I kind of have to think they were born in hospitals too. So why the confusion when kid three shows up? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, maybe something will click later on. Luis and Pedro do also live together. It's not a single mom with too many kids kind of situation. They live in Frankfurt. They live in the Frankfurt neighborhood in Philly. Frankfurt is where our little real estate adventure properties are currently for sale. And I don't think a lot has changed between now and 25 years ago. They live in some row houses there, which I think are subsidized. Those are the long buildings with literal row of front doors going up the sidewalk. You know, for those of you who don't like doing lawn stuff. I don't know what Luce does for work, but Pedro worked as a mechanic and held a part-time job at Dollar Tree stocking stuff. Stocking stuff was actually one of the few things about working at a grocery store I actually enjoyed. I didn't usually have to interact with all the Karens and Susans at the registers. Fuck Susan. It made time go by really fast, too. Sometimes you get heavy stuff, so it's sort of like a free workout, depending on which truck's being delivered that day, too. So on December 15th... Hey, happy birthday, gun nut friend. December 15th, 1997. Luce and Pedro are hanging out at the house. They got all the kiddos there. And let's bring in... Let's introduce player three here. Pedro's step-cousin, Carolyn Correa. She's an interesting character, Carolyn. She's over there just hanging out with Luce and the kids while Pedro changes the brakes on her car. Delimar, the baby, the baby. is 10 days old. Not doing a whole lot, mostly just sleeping and pooping like a 10-day-old would do. Probably getting pretty fussy from all the stuff going on in the house, too, so Luce decides to put her down for a nap on the bed upstairs and goes downstairs to check on Pedro and whatever else was happening downstairs. Seems like a kind of a busy house. A lot of stuff moving around in there. Yeah, a lot of people. Carolyn takes it upon herself as soon as Luce leaves. Luce leaves? <laughs> to put the baby in her crib instead. Didn't want her to roll off onto the floor. Which is good. Nobody wants a floor baby. Yeah, that's bad. Those are bad. Probably ask mom before you touch her newborn infant, but I guess it's a thoughtful enough gesture, I suppose. I guess she ends up telling Luce about the baby relocation, so Luce goes upstairs to check again. Baby's still doing fine. Still just over there being a baby. And around 6 p.m., Pedro finishes up the brakes on the car, and everybody's chatting away, hanging out, having a good time. And Luce hears a loud pop from upstairs and goes upstairs to check on the baby. And oh shit, there's flames coming from the front bedroom where the crib is. Oh my god, where's the baby? Let me check under the bed. Oh no. Oh no, not there either. Where the fuck is my baby? Uh, maybe I'll check the crib again, because um, I'm blind and there's smoke and flames everywhere. Uh... Something started a fire in the upstairs bedroom, and Luce desperately tried to rush in and save Delimar, but she wasn't in the crib, and she wasn't on the bed, and there was so much smoke and fire that she couldn't see very well, so she had no choice but to get out of there or pass out from smoke inhalation. She does manage to grab the other two kids, but there's no sign of Delimar anywhere. Many of the neighbors try to help contain the fire until the fire trucks show up, but it's too strong of a fire and they just have garden hoses and buckets, so it's not really doing a whole lot to help, but I love the spirit. Yeah, looking out for each other. The fire department shows up, puts the fire out, and then investigators determine the fire originated in the room Delimar had been sleeping in, oh, no. and the cause of the fire was a ratty old extension cord with a space heater plugged into it. Oh, God. Space heaters back then, if I remember right, if I'm picturing the right one in my head... No. They're not like the ones today that just blow hot air like a reverse AC unit. They had like a metal wire grating over the front of it that had some other heated wires behind it, kind of like the ones you see inside a toaster oven. 
Then you plug that into a shoddy extension cord, put it on the floor next to the closest spot next to you to keep you warm at night, and it's December in Philly, so I'm sure it's cold as fuck that night too. That is a really good recipe for a really terrible tasting fire. Fire tastes bad. But after the firefighters get everything contained, they discover what they think are human remains and have to tell Luce the unfortunate and horrible news. Luce is, of course, hysterical and screaming and crying. They take her off in an ambulance back to Temple Hospital for treatment so she can get patched up and everything. But let's talk about this fire really quick and why they 100% for sure did not find any human remains and why Delimar definitely wasn't completely incinerated. You sound so confident right now. I don't know how many of you out there know this, but in order to cremate a body, the flames have to reach temperatures of somewhere between 14 and 1600 degrees Fahrenheit. I knew that. It could range in time from half an hour to a couple hours depending on the size of the body. And even after that, it's not completely disintegrated. There's some ash, but a lot of it's still big chunks of bone, and then that gets pulverized down even further. Didn't know that. And this fire only lasted about 15 minutes. Most house fires are only around 600 degrees, right about eye level. Really? I always thought they were way hotter than that. Sometimes higher temperatures can be reached along the ceiling, but... There's no possible way that in 15 minutes a house fire could completely disintegrate a newborn into just ashes. There's no way. I've heard of so many cases where the criminals try to get rid of the body by burning it somehow, and it never works as intended. It is a lot more difficult to burn a body than most normal people realize. Yeah, I know. I'm not normal. That's kind of how my co-host was born. You know, technically, I gave birth to myself in this context. Knock it off, you're going to get one of us stuck in a feedback loop. Those remains they found turned out to be a piece of the mattress and a blanket or something that got fused together in the fire. What the shit, really? How do you confuse that with an infant? I don't know. I guess I probably couldn't identify either one of them either, but you'd think a firefighter in a big city would have something in their Rolodex to flip through and like, compare it to in their memory. Nope, baby. There's also a few differing accounts of what happened the night of the fire. According to one of Luce's neighbors, Luce was not at home, and the three kids were being looked after by Grandma. Maybe she was out looking for work or at an interview somewhere. Who knows? And this is the neighbor's story. When the fire broke out, the neighbors rushed over to try and put it out since, you know, the baby's room is on fire. He says he could hear a baby crying and tried to run in, but the flames were too thick. And then another neighbor, I love this guy, he climbs up on the roof and starts blasting water into the open window, but it's too hot. I love this guy's style. Just get up there and... Neighbor, I choose you. Good Samaritan used hydro pump. Blah! And, but it doesn't work because the flames are too hot. And he goes on to say that Luce showed up around the same time as the fire department did, but when she finds out that Delimar didn't make it out, that's when she runs in to check herself because motherly instinct and I don't believe you, I'm going to go find my baby but she had to retreat due to the flames. Also, according to the neighbor, Pedro is not home, and Carolyn was the one who went and got Pedro to bring him back to the house. Pedro also loses it when he hears the news, as any father would, and that's that's just another account of what happened that night from a neighbor. But I have a couple other questions. Um, why was the window open in the middle of December? And more importantly... Where the shit is Delimar? She didn't burn up in the fire. Where is she? As you might guess, everybody is devastated over the loss of Delimar. 
But Luce wasn't convinced she was dead. I'm not either. She refused to believe that her baby was gone. Physically gone from her home, sure, but still alive. She thinks that Delimar may have been kidnapped. However, investigating that would prove to be somewhat tricky. The court could not issue a death certificate without a body, sort of like last week. They would have to go to court and file a lot of confusing and time-consuming documents if they wanted to go that route. And times were tough enough for the two without losing a child, and there was no room in the budget, no room in the budget for an attorney or an expensive private investigator. They're in a very precarious position here. Luce refuses to believe that Delimar is dead, instead almost insisting on somebody has to have kidnapped her. But she can't afford to go look herself, and the law is sort of in a gray area as to the extent of what they can do to help her. Cut to three years later. Luce's still not doing great. She's undergone a lot of therapy. All she talked about, though, was that she thinks maybe Delimar was kidnapped. Pedro and Luce had begun to drift apart since then, and unfortunately in 2004 they get a divorce. And here's where things start to get really interesting, though. January 2003, the next year after the divorce. Luce is invited to a birthday party for one of Pedro's niece's daughters, who was turning three. I'm unclear on whose birthday party it was. There's a lot of there's a lot of weird details out there, and it's kind of murky because it happened so long ago, and it was insane, and there's just so many different tellings of this that happened. So I think it was Pedro's niece's birthday. But do you want to know who else was at that birthday party? At a child's birthday party? I don't know, man. Carolyn Correa, Pedro's step-cousin. Oh. Well, what is she doing there? Just doing stuff, hanging out with the family, you know, birthday party stuff. Eating some cake and ice cream. Pedro and Carolyn were only related by marriage. Her mother married his uncle, so they most likely don't interact with each other a whole lot, unless, you know, maybe she needs a break job or something handy, I suppose. And then Luce and Carolyn notice each other, so Carolyn introduces Luce to her daughter, Aaliyah, who was six years old. Six years old. Oh, what happened about six years ago? Luce wasn't aware that she had a child that young. Oh, so that's a surprise. Carolyn explains that, get this, what a coincidence, she was born right around the same time as Delimar was, actually. Oh, was she? And uh, the father had died from an overdose shortly after the birth, so she's currently raising her with her boyfriend. Now, Luce is pretty smart. So as Carolyn's telling her all this, she notices that, you know what? This little girl looks exactly like me and my other two kids. Holy shit, did this bitch actually... And Oh my god, there's the dimples on her cheek! This bitch actually stole my fucking baby! It's all starting to come together for Luce, so she calls Aaliyah over. Yes, she was named after the singer. And she tells her she has some gum in her hair and she'll get it out for her. Quick thinking. But instead of removing the gum, there wasn't any, she yanks out a couple of strands of hair, tucks them away in a napkin, which is then sealed in a Ziploc bag, and right here is where I have one of those questions with many answers that I mentioned a little bit earlier. Who brings a Ziploc bag to a child's birthday party? I mean, really, come on. You're an idiot. But seriously, Luce grabs the hairs because she remembered in a TV show that she'd seen that hair can be used for DNA testing to identify people. Carolyn is the only common denominator between that child and Luce's missing child. This is a lot. Recap. Oh. Luce and Pedro give birth to Delimar on December 5th, 1997, and on December 15th is the house fire where she's supposed to have been completely incinerated. Luce says everybody was at home when the fire broke out. She couldn't find the baby. 
Carolyn says she was there for a bit before the fire, but left with Pedro somewhere, came back an hour and a half later, and then the fire started. No baby. Neighbors say Luce got home after the fire. No baby. Luce is treated at the hospital immediately following the fire. No baby. Over the course of the next six years, Luce goes through a ton of therapy sessions trying to cope and move on with life. 2002 is the divorce from Pedro. 2003 is the birthday party when Luce grabs the hair from Aaliyah's head. She's desperately trying to figure this out, but there's so many questions and moving parts to sort through on top of not having the money to have DNA testing done. She also didn't know who to reach out to for help. And the obvious question, what if I'm wrong? What if all of this is for nothing and I just ripped a little girl's hair out of her head for no reason? What if this isn't my daughter who's been missing for six years and this is actually just craziness? What if I'm wrong? What do you do there? So let's jump back to those therapy sessions for just a second. Luce was suspicious of Carolyn right from the start and even named her in one of her sessions as someone she suspected as having something to do with the fire and or the baby. The birthday party is just the icing on the cake for Luce. Now that we're all cut back up to speed on the timeline, let's figure out how to get these hairs tested. Chili's, I don't want those ribs. Luce doesn't go to Chili's for mediocre barbecue from a Tex-Mex chain. She instead goes to her state representative, Angel Cruz, after about a year of looking into what to do. He is obviously extremely sus, because this sounds like an insane story to believe. My house caught fire, and they said my baby died, but that bitch stole my baby and torched my shit. All right, yeah, sure. Sounds fishy, lady. I'm picturing Chief Wiggum and his invisible typewriter when that guy comes in and tells him he just torched a building downtown, and I'm afraid I'll do it again. There was something about the way Luce held to her convictions, though, that made Cruz not completely discredit her like Wiggum would have. So he called the DA. The DA called the police. The police take a full statement from Luce in early February, and then also reached out to Carolyn to see what she has to say about all of this. When Carolyn explained what her account of what happened that night, what? it was a little bit different. Like I said, there's quite a few different accounts of this night, and even the details coming from Luce and Carolyn are a bit fuzzy sometimes, because a house fire is crazy, and your brain does weird things and remembers stuff wrong sometimes. I never remember things wrong. Dude, what? That? Okay, we, uh, we don't have... We don't even have enough time to get into that, but Carolyn was indeed there so Pedro could work on her breaks. That much is true. But she says she took Pedro to another friend's house at some point during the visit, but soon realized that, oh, wouldn't you know it, I left my purse at Luce's house. I'll just go get it real quick. Oh, damn. And her and her Luce... Her and Luce... What? Oh. When she gets back, her and Luce begin chatting for a little bit, and then the fire starts. And she's gone for about an hour and a half from the time she left until she got back to tell him about the fire. If you're a little bit ahead of me on the steps in logic today, 90 minutes is a long time. They ask her if she can also give them a photo of Aaliyah. She says, sure, no problem. And gives them a photo of some completely different other kid that's absolutely not Aaliyah. Later on that month... Carolyn sprays something in Aaliyah's mouth when they're trying to get the DNA samples and get all the cheek swabs taken. Sprays something into her mouth and says not to swallow. She's trying to contaminate the DNA sample or some shit, but that's not how it works. So all the swabs are on their way to the lab, and they're kind of worried about Carolyn potentially fleeing, so they place Aaliyah in foster care for the time being, just in case. I guess I kind of get why on that, but 
still, though. And this has got to be the saddest thing I've ever heard. Oh, good. There's more sad. As they're taking her away, as they're taking Aaliyah away, Carolyn tells her that this is the last time you're going to see Mommy. You're not going to see Mommy anymore. Oh, God. Can you imagine that? And then Carolyn does something really weird. She says, you know what? No. I'm going to do my own DNA test. And she spent 600 some odd dollars on a separate DNA test from a third party. But she's a little bit late to the game sending off her own samples, and that's not how DNA works anyway, as the official results come back first, and boom, bam, Delimar, she is. Woo! Wait, did she, th- did she think DNA tests were like a race? Dude, I know, right? Luce is elated, obviously, and is probably feeling pretty vindicated. I told you assholes and non-believers she wasn't dead. But police have a different problem. Um, they gotta go find Carolyn, because she is now facing a lot of charges for a lot of crimes. They plan to bring her in on charges of burglary, arson, kidnapping, conspiracy, hold on to that, concealing whereabouts of a child, unlawful restraint, and false imprisonment. So they go to arrest her for everything, and they can't find her because she dipped out. Oh shit, where'd she go? A media shitstorm ensues for the next couple of days. Everybody's fucking scrambling to find this woman. You can't steal a baby torch a row house, and then skip town when you get caught. They're going to catch you eventually. Who steals a baby? But maybe Carolyn isn't quite that dumb and realizes that because she turns herself in a few days later and her bond is set at one million dollars. Holy shit. Yeah, sure. Why not make it fucking two million? Why not a billion? Okay, I know why they did that. She's clearly a flight risk if she can post bond, but a million dollars, really? It's probably just as unlikely for her to raise 50000 or something like that. I don't know, just a million seems hella steep. Hey, I have a question. Does Carolyn have a record? I'm glad you asked that. Yeah, she has quite the record, but I'll fill you in on that in a few minutes after we wrap up with Luce and Delimar being reunited. Oh, so she is going home. Yeah, the wee baby Delimar will be reunited with her true family at long last. Hooray! But it's not going to be an easy transition. Delimar was just ripped from the only family she's ever known. She's confused and traumatized. She has no idea what's going on. Luce is incredibly happy, though, and she understands the importance of being patient with a gradual reintroduction and supervised visits, easing into the emotional side of things. Luce and Pedro do file together for joint custody after everything settles down, with Luce having primary custody and Pedro maintaining visitation rights. All right. This is going to offset that saddest thing I've ever heard from a few minutes ago. This is the most heartwarming thing I've ever found on this show by a wide margin. During a supervised visit with Pedro and Luz, Delimar ducks under a table and hides from him for a few minutes. And when they walk closer up to the table, Delimar jumps out later. She jumps out and goes, surprise! And then starts laughing and giggling like a little kid would. That is super adorable. A couple days later after that, she's brought to Luce's sister's house for an extended weekend visit. We're going to stay the night, have a little camp out in the living room kind of thing, maybe. Probably what I would have done. Probably not, though, actually, because there was a media circus camped outside trying to take pictures of her all weekend, which is creepy and weird. Don't don't take pictures of my kids. Eventually, Luce sells the rights to Lifetime. The name of the movie is Little Girl Lost. I didn't watch it. I almost did could not bring myself to watch a Lifetime movie. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I'm not watching a Lifetime movie. I don't have enough. I don't have enough for that. He's talking about weed. So she sold the rights to Lifetime, 
and use the money to buy a house, which is also heartwarming and awesome, so fuck yeah, loose. As of today, Delimar is working on a book going over the story in her own words, and I definitely want to read that when it comes out. Her Instagram pops up pretty quick if you look for this story on Google, and she seems to be doing pretty well. Looks like a pretty happy, well-adjusted 25-year-old, so fuck yeah, Delimar. Now, the question I'm sure many of you are asking is, how in the shit any of this ever happened in the first place? Yeah, how did we end up here? Let's take a look at where Carolyn was in the 90s and why she has a record. Oh, what did she do? Back in the 90s, which, oh, that's a phrase, isn't it? Carolyn Correa was at one point married to a man named Anthony. Pop quiz, big black truck. What is a tubal ligation? Oh, if he doesn't guess, can I try? Yeah, I don't think he can hear us. What is it? It's when a woman has her fallopian tubes tied up. Right you are. Wait, did you... Did we know that before this? No, this week was actually the first time we heard the medical term. Oh, good for us. She gets her tubes tied in 1990, right after their youngest child is born. And she'll have five or six claimed pregnancies from about 1990 to 2004. Also, I don't know if this is the same upcoming workplace or not, but from one of her jobs she worked for in the 90s, I guarantee you she's wearing she took maternity leave while not pregnant. What? And when she returned without a baby, comes back with nothing to show for it. her co-workers asked her about it and she said the baby was stillborn. But it's okay because I brought in pictures of my stillborn baby. I don't want to know where fuck? she got no. whatever picture she showed to them because they were grossed out. Yeah, I would be too. And it gets worse somehow. She's, I hope this isn't true. She says the ashes were in the trunk of her car too. And I don't know why you would what do that. Fuck, so I hope that's really not true. In 1996, Carolyn divorces Anthony. She's working as a billing clerk in a medical office. Her position and access level at the office also give her the perfect opportunity to steal checks. I don't know how long she was going on with the check-stealing scam at that whatever company it was, but she does hear about the company starting to interview people for her position. Oh shit, I'm getting fired. I better think of a plan. And she's right. They're definitely about to fire her, but not for stealing checks. No, they're going to fire her because she was a no-call, no-show, like, all the time. Fucking just show up to work, lady. Come on. But let's go back to that plan, and you all know how much I love a bad plan. Apparently. Alright, so if if you're trying to get out of a job and you know there's some potential for legal ramifications if they find out what you've been doing, how do you think you're gonna get out of that job and avoid getting in trouble for what you did? I bet it's not this. Apparently, her plan was to cover up her check fraud scheme by torching the office while her co-workers oh were God, still inside. What's wrong with her? And in November of 1996, surprise, surprise, she's arrested on suspicion that she started a fire in the office. I mean, is there another suspect that they're really looking at? <laughs> Whatever the reasons for her starting the fire, they charge her with aggravated arson, theft, and fraud charges for the stolen checks. She didn't get away with it, haha. She bailed out somehow, and while that's still being resolved, Carolyn suddenly becomes pregnant. No, she and her doesn't. new boyfriend, Andre Moore, he was super ecstatic. He's over there after she tells him this. He's doing all the baby stuff. He's getting cribs and clothes and little teeny tiny shoes and socks and hats and whatnot. And suddenly, the day of the fire, December 15th, she just fucking shows up at the house with a baby. Hi, honey. 
I'm home. Like she found a kitten or a puppy on the side of the road. Now, don't be mad. I but... promise I'll feed it and take care of it. Yeah, imagine how that went. Especially since his mom and sister were there too. So we all get to meet our new yay. Our new niece. That's hard to say fast. Our new yay. And after they meet everyone with the little eensy-weensy introductions, Carolyn just leaves. What? She literally just walked in with a newborn. Where is she going? Dunno. She says Andre can watch her for the night. I'm going out for a little while. Bye. And Carolyn's family's just as confused. They fucking didn't even know she was pregnant. And wait a minute, didn't you have your tubes tied? Yeah, hold on, how do you even have that thing? I promise I know it's a human baby and not a thing. Do we need to call Deputy Williams in here from Reno 911 when she explains to a bunch of kids what getting your tubes tied means? Alright, enough golden era of comedy references. Carolyn ends up pleading out on the arson charge, gets five years probation, and community service. That seems kind of light. In 99, Carolyn and Anthony go through a custody battle, Anthony requests a paternity test, but since they weren't married when the kids were born, doesn't really have a leg to stand on in court, so he loses all legal access to the other kids. Carolyn, after that, starts dating a truck driver named Brian Busardo, whom she'll later marry. And right around then, she starts also collecting some welfare benefits, but didn't declare her income and went back to work, so double dip in the system there. Not her first time to be investigated for welfare fraud. That doesn't Carolyn always maintained, by the way, that she was kind, generous, giving. She was a perfect mother, always doted on Delimar, or she calls her Aaliyah, and even sent her to private school, and got a modeling agent that put her in an episode of Blue's Clues. Holy shit, that's awesome. Wait, how did nobody put this together? Pedro did see her at family events a few times, but... I don't know, maybe she didn't have all her kids with her, or maybe she's just like a, hi, here's my kids real quick, gotta go. Maybe it's one of those kind of things. But he is also suspicious, and told one of his co-workers at the Dollar Tree about it, which just kind of makes him wonder even more if maybe Luce was telling the truth about Delimar being kidnapped. He's starting to wonder that too. And he didn't report it because of how crazy it sounds, and again, what if we're wrong? It's a super crazy theory, no matter how you look at it, and this time it turned out to be true can't imagine what it was like to go through all this for six years, Jesus. And here's another thought. How long did Carolyn really think she was going to get away with pulling a Raising Arizona? My brother and I, we look exactly like Dad. Exactly. My brother and I even more so. We've stood next to each other before, and people have asked me, Matt, why didn't you tell me you have a twin brother? I don't. <laughs> you bald fucks. You're bald too. I don't even have a body. I'm just a voice. My point is, Delimar is eventually going to grow up to look exactly like Luce, so not going to go on forever. She goes to court for the Delimar kidnapping, and in February 2005, she enters a no-contest plea to kidnapping, conspiracy, and interfering with parental custody. I don't think I knew that was a charge before this. A no-contest plea, by the way, gives you just a little bit more protection in civil court if someone were to sue her over this. A no-contest plea is essentially the same as guilty, but the state has enough evidence to convict me, but I am not conceding guilt. Which is not quite the same as an Alfred plea, which is maintaining innocence, and there's some legal nuanced bullshit in there about the actual wording of it that gives you different legal protections, but I kind of don't really have a super clear grasp on that. I'm not a lawyer, and their language is a mystery to me. 
You may have noticed I said conspiracy a second ago, which is legally impossible to do with one person, but the accomplice was never named. Some people think maybe it was her son, or maybe Pedro, or maybe one of the neighbors. Carolyn claims under oath that Pedro was in on it, on the baby swap, but I don't think I trust this lady. And I don't think the judge or the jury trusts her too much either, because she is sentenced to 30 years in jail. Damn. And if you want to talk to her and ask her some questions about all this, you can totally do that. She's over in the Bucks County Department of Corrections in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. If you want to call her, they have a number on the website where you can call and speak to inmates. I don't think I'd want to talk to her. Maybe. Would I? Would that be fun? No, I don't think so. And there you have it, folks! A high story first! We have a happy ending! Delimar has safely returned to her real family and seems to have dodged most of the potentially life-altering psychological problems that could have come about because of all of this. So here's my take on it. I think it ended the way it should have ended. Kiddos returned and the kidnappers put behind bars. Everybody's happy. Nobody got hurt. But the six years in between, holy shit, is so confusing and murky. There's so many different accounts from so many different people. And again, house fires are fucking crazy. And our brains do even crazier things to make sense of shit. Listen to me over here and tell me I'm not at least a little bit crazy. You do make some weird leaps in logic sometimes, but... You do your best to protect me. I'm protecting myself. You just live here too. In my opinion, this is what makes the most sense to me. It's clear to me that there's something psychologically wrong with Carolyn, some sort of disorder, but I don't know what. Most likely pseudosciasis, which is the belief that you're pregnant even when you're not. Your brain sort of goes into a feedback loop. You start wanting to be pregnant bad enough. Your brain starts thinking that you actually are and sends signals and chemicals to that part of the body and you'll actually start experiencing physical symptoms of pregnancy. Men watch out for this too. For us, it's called Kuvade syndrome. I don't want to know what that's like. Carolyn had her tubes tied but then started wanting another pregnancy or a baby really, really badly. Whether she faked the pregnancy or she just thought about what she did, I don't know. She hears about Luce having the baby. Maybe she just watched Raising Arizona like I did last night and thought, okay then, that's what I'll do. She goes over to the house, has Pedro work on the car, has someone climb up through the fire escape and steal Delimar from the crib she was sleeping in. Maybe while they're in there, they tip over that space heater. It's going to take a little bit of time to actually catch a flame, giving them plenty of time to safely leave and get away with the baby before anybody notices. I don't know, though. That's just me. That's how I see it playing out in my head. It could be any number of different reasons why and how. Maybe Pedro did help her. Maybe he had too many kids already, or there was some kind of financial advantage. Maybe it was all a setup from the beginning. Somehow, I don't know. I don't really think so. But honestly, I don't think the details matter too much now, 25 years later. Nobody was physically hurt. Delimar seems to be pretty well adjusted and happy, as well as Luce and Pedro, as far as I can tell. Carolyn's in jail for, uh, I don't know how much longer. But if she does get out, I don't think she's going to be a danger to anybody. Sure, she's kind of a loose cannon, but I don't think she's violent. Then again, I'm just a waiter, so what do I know? But that's all we got for you this week, everybody. I hope you all liked that one. Just wanted to throw in something uh, a little bit different this week. I needed a palate cleanser after last week's wood chipper grossness. 
And, um, spoiler alert, the next several episodes are going to get progressively grosser and more brutal the closer we get to Halloween. So, don't forget, you signed a nonverbal contract when you clicked play that says if I made you laugh, you have to leave a five-star rating on whichever app you're listening on. You actually didn't, obviously. But if you'd like to help me out and do that anyway, it actually does help quite a lot, and it's free. So take 30 seconds out of your day. That'd be cool. But if you'll excuse me, I don't remember what I'm doing for next week's episode, so I'm going to go figure that out, and I'll see you guys next week. Stay kind. <laughs>